My friend Tom Henschel joins me today to take on this topic, how to handle a boss who's a jerk. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 164. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal leadership. All that stuff sounds so good, doesn't it? And yet, the reality is in some organizations that we are struggling, or maybe our entire organization is struggling with a boss who is a jerk, or any other number of terms that we could use to describe a boss that we just don't get along with or don't fire on the same cylinders with. And this is a topic that really came forefront for me a couple months ago when I administered the survey of the Coaching for Leaders community. This was something that was mentioned a couple of times. And in addition, this is something that I have seen people run into throughout my career. I've had many, many conversations over the years with clients and you know, even friends and family members about this very issue. And it is something that most of us, if we haven't struggled with ourselves, we certainly know someone in our network or who we care about who has. And so I wanted to tackle this topic, but frankly, this is a hard topic. And so I wanted to call, I, I had to call in the big guns for this one because uh, I, I certainly don't have all the wisdom on this. And I know our guest doesn't have it all 100% uh, figured out with perfect answers for this either. But uh, my guest is someone who knows how to coach and help people to lead very effectively. And Tom Henschel is an executive coach here in Southern California. Uh, he works with lots of leaders, especially out here on the West Coast. But he is also the host of the very popular podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership, which is a show that I listen to religiously every time it airs. I always enjoy Tom's wisdom. And Tom was back on the show last year talking about how to help us solicit feedback. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. But Tom, I'm so glad to have you back because I don't have this all figured out. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back too. And I don't have it all figured out either, but it's a really important topic. So many people suffer with it, don't they? Oh, they do. And and this is one of the reasons I, I called you up and, uh, and I'm so glad you accepted my invitation to come back on the show because when I started looking online and just doing some research, thinking about this topic, the advice just isn't that great. Um, you know, the, it seems to me that the advice falls into two general buckets when you read things about dealing with a boss who's a jerk or just kind of casually start looking into it. On one hand, there's the, okay, deal with it. You know, that's the situation you're in, so just deal with it. Right. And then the second bucket that it falls into is, okay, well, leave. If you're not happy with your boss, um, leave the organization. And I just, I find that difficult because I think that the the deal with it isn't really helpful <laughs> advice for, you know, like I, I want something more practical to give to people. And I think we're going to try to do that today. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I should mention is uh, I think we're both big believers, Tom, that there is a point that absolutely, if if the situation is bad enough, that everyone should consider leaving an organization or separate from an organization. Um, but but the reality is is that a lot of times it's not at that point, and for many many reasons, it 
isn't necessarily the right decision to give up a career or a long-term you know, job with an organization because of a current situation with a boss. And that isn't just that just isn't a practical decision or practical reality for most people to be able to make that decision. And so so I was hoping we could uh we could find something that would be really helpful to people here. And I know we've we've done a lot of thinking on this over the last couple of weeks and I think we've got some some really good uh pieces of advice for folks. I love talking about it. Can I start you with a story? Please. There was a woman named Suzanne who was such a high performer. Everybody kind of agreed that sooner or later she was going to be one of the top leaders of her company. And I started coaching her and our coaching relationship lasted over years. And this woman really, she was smart and a big picture thinker and she was terrific. And she often could go down a rabbit hole and just she would get hold of something and it would become her, her irritant over time. And she would get emotional about it. And again, she and I would coach for a while and then we'd stop and then I'd come back in. So I knew her over a period of years. And she was reporting to a guy named Robert. And every now and then when I went to meet with Suzanne, she would be inflamed about Robert. Now, Robert was a big leader in this company. He had a high profile. Everybody knew Robert. And when Robert spoke, you know, people ran to do his bidding. But what she and I talked about was, is this just a mismatch for you, Suzanne? Like, do you and Robert just kind of not click and so you're irritated? Or is he a liability to the company? Does he really need to be somehow wrangled and managed? And my concern was that if she was going to raise red flags about Robert, it was going to be a minefield for her. Mm -hmm. There were going to be a lot of political kind of ripples around that. And I think that's that story is a nice framework for you and I to start with because it begins to raise the question of, is this just a personal issue? Like you don't get along with your boss and it's irritating and you know, I'm just annoyed or is the boss really, you know, maybe has a personality disorder or is the boss really like doing things that could put the company in jeopardy that need to be managed and trying to separate those two things out often just by itself because having a bad boss is so difficult, trying to separate those two things out is, is a challenge. I know just for Suzanne, we talked about it over years, and it was hard to figure out, was this a real business issue or just a personal issue? Oh, interesting. And what kinds of things have you found, Tom, when you work with leaders that's helpful to allow people to get that clarity on whether or not this is, maybe this is just me and, and just my personality conflict with this person, or if it, there really is a broader issue with this individual. Oh, wow. Well, then we're starting in a really complex point, I think, because there's, well, you'll, uh, let me just tell you, kind of, let me give you my idea. And I think what you'll hear right away is how politically fraught this is. Mm. I think one of the ways to find out whether this is just you or whether this really is a bigger issue is to test the waters. In other words, is everybody annoyed with Robert? But what happens when you go to lunch with, you know, your friend Bill and you casually say to Bill, you know, hey, how are you doing with, you know, Robert these days? And Bill suddenly takes off on it. Like you've hit an open wound and he can't stop ranting about it. And now you're going, see, I'm justified. See, well, the two of you have this lunch. 
And you've started to stir the waters. First off, by the way, I'm sure that you'll contribute too, but there's no guarantee that Bill is not going to say to his friend, oh, you know, guess what Dave told me? You know Mm -hmm. what Dave told me about Robert? Yeah. And now suddenly you're a problem in the organization. You're a troublemaker. You're a bad mouther. You, You know, it's like you can't be trusted. It's like, oh, my goodness. Another one that I think is a challenge, and this one is really hard for me to talk about because it feels disappointing and personal for me, which is a lot of times when I go into big publicly held corporations, I go in through the HR department. The truth of the matter is, Dave, I work with some HR departments that are world class. I mean, just top of their field. They're fantastic. And I have worked with some HR departments who frankly cannot be trusted where I have said things to them in confidence and I know that it's gone out of the confidence and into the hallways. Mm. And if, and by the way, I'm just a consultant. So what is it like if I'm an employee? Yeah. So, so here again, it's like, if I'm going to go to HR and say, well, I think, you know, Robert is maybe a liability to the company. I saw him do something in a meeting that I think, you know, could be really dangerous for us. Is the HR person going to turn around and go to Robert and go, well, you know, Dave told me that in that meeting, you, like, oh my goodness. So, you know, I mean, we're not many minutes into our conversation yet. And already I think we're in this place of what do you do? I think you need to be extremely politically astute and careful and not ranting, not kind of shooting your mouth off, not assuming that it's a safe topic. And I've seen the same thing you have, Tom, unfortunately. And and I've had the same thing happen where I've seen very good examples of this and also things not handled so well. And I and I think the thing for us to keep in mind with a situation like this, or really any situation, is that ultimately we're dealing with people. And some mm. people are really well equipped to handle these difficult situations and are very politically astute, and some people are not. And, and, and those people work in HR departments and are senior executives and are our peers and in all of those categories. And so we should always assume, at least going into that conversation, that, that you know, people may not have the equipment to be able to handle this conversation in the way we may want it handled. And I think this gets to one of the things that we had talked about leading up to this conversation is that if you're going to give feedback... Um, don't ever talk badly about some about mm. someone else, and and that that seems to me like a really good starting point as far as how you would want to approach a situation like this. Yes, I agree. Um, I, I'd actually like to start kind of one circle further out before oh, that. Yeah, please. Which is to be sure that it's not that when you're going to talk about it with someone, whether it's your friend over lunch, or if you're going to go and. Uh, you know, make it more formal, talk to HR or whatever it's going to be that you are not emotional. And, and I mean, before we go to the kind of fine tuning of don't speak badly about people, I think it's really important that you don't go in, in the heat of the moment, kind of, you know, angry about, do you know what he did to me? And blah, 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 blah. And just kind of vomiting. That's not healthy. You need to get yourself together so that you can make it sound like a business issue. And the, so 15 minutes after we've been yelled at by the boss is not the time to start thinking about how I'm in a dialogue with other people about it in the organization. Uh, right. I would even say 24 hours may not be enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, you really need to calm down. You really need to think about it. And again, by the time you're ready to talk about it with someone, you've probably 
had what you feel are many violations. You feel like a victim. You feel like it's not the first time. You know, you're not going to go talk to HR or file some complaint or, or even kind of talk to your peers about it, however cautious that you might be. You're not going to do that the very first time something happens. It's going to be after several times. So there's this sense of, you know, having a wound that keeps getting reopened, something that just keeps getting irritated. You need to really calm down. And, and going back to my story about Suzanne, one of the things she and I talked about over and over and over again is don't take this personally. This is Robert living his life. Robert's doing the best he can. Does he need coaching? Maybe. Is Robert a problem? Maybe. But you don't take his behavior personally. It's not about you. Calm down. Mm. And that idea of, you know, not taking it personally when it feels personally, it's like, you know, but it's my career and, but it's my work and, but he, you know, embarrassed me in front of the client and he doesn't show me respect. It feels terribly personal. Yeah. But it's not. And I, th- that is something that I have struggled with, Tom. And, and sit- I, fortunately, I've been really blessed in my career that I've, I can't think of a time I've ever had a boss that I would put in this category. But I think we've all had times even when we've had good experiences with bosses where something's happened. And it does feel very, very personal. And yet when you and I were talking over email prior to you know putting together the information for what we talk about today, one of the things we both came back with independently was don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. Because it it really, at the end of the day, isn't about us, especially if that person is doing it in a lot of situations with a lot of different people. Um, right. But it's so, that's such a struggle, isn't it? If you can approach it with the idea that, for example, this is a business issue, that allows you to not talk about it as what happened to you, you as the victim, but really, why are you bringing this up to anyone mm. other than just, oh, I'm annoyed? Look, if you're annoyed, go home and talk to the people that you love and who you live with, you know, and just work it out. Yeah. But if you're going to raise it in the workplace, And again, you become visible at that point. You become part of the problem at that point. Well, why are you doing it? Because maybe he's opening us up to, you know, a lawsuit. Because he's, um, you know, repeatedly behaving badly. Because he's affecting the output of a team. Whatever. That you get to talk about it as, I have a concern about what's happening in Robert's team. Mm. So it's framed and the, the dialogue that's happening around it is the business issue, the business context. It's not the feelings and the emotion that we're focusing on. Right. And it's not you as the victim. You wouldn't believe what he said to me. It's like, that's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things, Tom, where even when we're completely justified at having a conversation like that. And even when we've truly been wronged, whenever I ha- I've heard in, in my work where someone comes to me and I'm, I'm just a third party to a situation and they say, you wouldn't believe what this person do- did to me, mm. it, it, there's something about that that even when I know that they have every right to say that, I just, the credibility in my mind of, okay, how can you take the responsibility to really look at this from a business standpoint? Credibility takes a hit for me. I don't know about for you if that's something you run into. Well, yeah. I I think it's the person somehow not really actually speaking for themselves because what I think the message is at that point is, I'm upset. 
that person's behavior is upsetting to me. Now, by the way, if you want to go to HR and go to your business partner and say just that, something happened to me that's really upsetting to me. You know, when I was in that meeting, Robert threw an eraser at me. And that's really upsetting. It's intimidating. It feels like a hostile workplace. Well, fine. Go file a complaint. That's okay. And then you put yourself in the story and you own your part in it. But it's really different than actually just pointing the finger at Robert and going, Robert's out of control and Robert's a problem and you should see what Robert does to the whole team. And this is one of the things that I also want to talk about, which is don't speak for others. I love this point that you make. Tell me more about that. Well, look, I think it's a problem anytime. I mean, if, I mean, it's chief officers who get up and say, every one of our customers is so happy with us. It's like, no, they're not. You know, it's like <laughs> you can't speak for a group. You just can't. So for you to, let's say you're going to go to HR or by the way, even if you're going to go to lunch with your pal and say, you know, the whole team is inflamed about Robert. Well, I would challenge that because I would just go, I'll bet that's not accurate. And if it's not accurate, now you are part of the problem because you're reporting inaccurately. When you speak for yourself, you can't be inaccurate. What was upsetting to you? I, I might say, oh, it, uh, in privately, I might think, wow, he really has thin skin and he needs to grow up or get over it. But your upset is your upset, and you can speak for that. So for you to say, you know, and Marsha feels the same way I do, and I know Jan does too, it's like, well, that's not appropriate. It's not your job to speak for anyone else. Well, and then you, yeah, well, and then you've also brought them into this when they may (laughs) not want to be brought into it. And you've made the the situation that much more complex because then all of a sudden someone else goes to them and like, I heard what you said about so-and-so and, you know, you break trust with other people in the organization. It's, it can be very, very damaging. I think, I think this is just fantastic advice, Tom, of, you know, speak for yourself in the organization and don't, don't, unless you have been officially designated to represent right. people or, you know, you're a PR person for your organization, you represent your organization. That's a different thing. But, but as far as, you know, situations in the workplace, speaking for yourself is great advice. Let's imagine that you've made a decision. You're going to, let's say, go to HR. I think One of the things that's important in order to position yourself as reliable, credible, mature, uh, not inflamed, is to be sure what you're actually reporting. I think a lot of times, and by the way, I'm now going back to my story about Suzanne, who I just want to say again, this woman was really brilliant. (laughs) But what she wanted to spend a lot of our coaching time talking about was, how to get Robert to change. And it's like, <laughs> Suzanne, it's not Robert's coaching. I mean, we're not here to change Robert. Get real. I think that a lot of times when we have someone in our life who is a problem, personally, professionally, otherwise, what we think is, well, what can I do to get them to act differently? So if I, maybe if I ask this kind of question, he won't do that. Or maybe if I, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, please. Your job here is not to change your boss. If your boss is a jerk, I don't want to echo what you found online that just says, hey, you know, deal with it. But I do want to say, be careful what you're asking for. For you to go in and say, you know, I think Robert needs some coaching. That's not your place. And for you to imagine in any way that like, oh, well, look, if we all kind of position ourselves this way, then I think Robert will calm down. It's like, it's a fool's errand. (laughs) 
And I've seen people try it. I'm sure you have too, Tom. Oh, yeah. Where they'll get all get together. Like, if I just said this one thing at this meeting, if we both say this the same way, she's going to get the message this time. <laughs> and, and <laughs> never listen, I, I just need to be honest. This is my personal trap in the world. And look what I do for a living, right? I help people change. Yeah, I am yeah. a great believer that, oh, if I could just do it this certain way, then people right. will see the light and they'll get better and they'll, oh, please, it's such a trap. And it stops you from doing your work. It's a way of you not paying attention to how you can do something differently for you to make your life better. Well, I think it's really interesting that both of you, you and I work with people a lot in different capacities. And the two things that both of us independently came back to each other when we started talking about this and did some thinking on our own and then came back was the first one, don't take it personally. And then the second thing was, your boss isn't going to change. Right. And and that is... You know, I, I in some ways I I'm I'm right there with you. Tom. Like you think like wow, you know, based on the kind of work we do and how we are trying to help people to learn and to grow, it seems very contrary to what we normally tell people. And the reality is though is it's not something that we have any control over as far as how someone else is going to change. Now they may choose to change on their own or do things mm-hmm. differently um based on situations and but it's it is not something that generally speaking we are going to we're not going to change others. No, we're not. And uh, <laughs> this does echo a little bit of that piece that you found on the internet of, you know, get over it. Because in one part, you need to just accept this actually is who he is. So now it's my turn. If he's not going to change and that's not my job, if I'm going to stop wishing that that were true, then what do I want to do? Mm. And I will say this, hmm. as much as I think it can be a political minefield, as much as I think it can be, um, I, I think it can be risky, I'm also a big believer in giving the feedback. Not to Robert necessarily, you know, not to the jerk boss necessarily. Although if you're up for it, go for it. But to find a place to give the feedback in a safe way that's as you know, kind of mature as it can be and well-developed and unemotional, because here's the deal. You don't know what other feedback is accruing about the jerk. Mm. And you don't know what will tip the scale where suddenly he's going to get a different performance review or suddenly he's going to get put on a performance plan or suddenly he's going to get a coach. You don't know. You And it's appropriate that you don't know, by the way. You shouldn't know who else is going to his boss or the HR partner. You, you don't know. So there's a part of me that goes, if this guy really is that big a problem in your life, step up. Now, yes, take the emotion out of it. Yes, don't take it personally. Yes, don't go in with blame and go in and talk about business issues and your concerns. But I wouldn't say don't give the feedback. I would say, yeah, if it's really a business issue, go give the feedback. And I, I think that's the key thing for me too, Tom, is if it is truly that business issue of that's where you think through, okay, who politically, who are the people that I can trust in the organization? Is the HR business person someone that, you know, based on prior experiences that I can connect with? And, uh, and you know, is that, can you lessen some of that political risk that you take if you are going to give that feedback to somebody? So um, I, I really and like what you said up front about that. The next that. step, <laughs> I think this is a little bit then like, you know, waiting for Christmas. If you do take the risk of giving the feedback, 
I think one of the hard things then is to not wait for a result, not be attached to the outcome. Because mm. I think what happens is, you know, you give the feedback, which is risky. You took the risk and now you're waiting like a kid at Christmas going, okay, when's the payoff? When does he get a coach? When does he get put on a performance plan? It's like you have to just let it go. Yeah, yeah. And that's hard because, again, you know, you stepped up to the plate. Now you have to just wait. One other quick thing about this idea of giving feedback. If you're going to give feedback, I really urge you, don't go in cold. Rehearse. Rehearse with a friend. Rehearse. If it's safe, rehearse with a colleague. But it's going to help you clarify your thinking. It's going to help you from turning it into a rant. Because a rant is not going to be helpful to you. Yeah, and if you if you if it doesn't go well and you and it ends up being perceived as a rant, then ultimately not only have you not really moved the needle, but then you become branded potentially as someone who's an issue as well. Mhm. Mhm. You know, I'm one of the great jerk bosses that I encountered early in my career as a coach <laughs> was an executive at one of the studios. And you have to picture the the pathway to her office. She had a corner office. So once you got in the hallway, her door was at the end of the hallway. And it was a fairly wide hallway with um, offices on the right and assistants kind of cubes on the left. People would walk down this hallway hugging the assistant cubes on the left so that this woman at the corner office could not possibly see you. They would kind of edge up to her assistant and they would whisper to her, how is she today? Oh, that's awesome. Because if she was, you know, kind of nutty and chaotic, people would turn around and walk out. Literally, they would tiptoe so that she and her office wouldn't go, who's out there? Hmm. But if the assistant went, no, no, she's fine, they'd go, oh, great. And they'd walk up and knock on her door. Everybody knew how to kind of manage her. I want to say, too, that what was amazing was it took so long for the senior executives to understand that she was a problem, they had no idea. No one ever stepped up. And so now we're back to that idea of, you know, I really want to say to you, yes, I do think it's good to give the feedback. I just think it needs to be done appropriately and cautiously. Well, Because that, that woman just lasted way too long in her position. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of some some things that we can do that are real practical, and I think that this even falls in the realm, Tom, of regardless if it's just a, a situation with you and a personality conflict with you and the boss, or maybe it's that broader situation that you know you did some really good thinking on. Like, what are just some practical things we can do in some of these situations? And you know, one of the types of things that I know drives people nuts is when the boss is really chaotic um, mm-hmm. and just just kind of all over the place. One of the one of the pieces of advice that you have for people is just to to take some notes and to get some agreements <laughs> from that person. Right. Tell me more about that. What's 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 a way to navigate that? Well, so first off before you walk in, calm down. So, you know, this idea of emotions are contagious. If you're with someone who's chaotic, it's easy to get agitated and get chaotic yourself. So you just need to kind of separate out, watch it like a movie, put up a little imaginary plexiglass plexiglass screen between you. And I don't say take some notes. I say take tons of notes. Take notes the whole time that person's talking. And then at the end say, okay, so here's what I'm understanding. I'm going to do this and you want that by Thursday, right? 
so that you just get really clear agreements. Now, will the agreements change? Often they do with people who are chaotic. So I'll say, you know, to the chaotic person, I'll say, okay, so I'm going to write this email and I'm going to forward it to you and do that by end of business Thursday. And the chaotic person's going to go, yes. And I'm going to walk out and I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to get chewed out. What are you doing? I wanted it by Wednesday at noon. And it's like, it doesn't matter at that point. Again, don't take it personally. Apologize. Let it roll off. It's not about you. You're living with someone who's chaotic. So mm-hmm. don't get hooked in. I, I, I love that advice. And I, I, I have found also that in those situations with people who can be chaotic or not necessarily remember what they asked for, is mm-hmm. sending a note afterwards can be helpful too for the meeting. So mm-hmm. um, I, I've I've used this with great success with some people in business relationships who are kind of very chaotic and all over the places. I'll send that note after the meeting. And I'll say, okay, here's what we talked about because they're never going to send that note. <laughs> so right. I just send it as here's what we talked about. Here's what we agreed to, and I send it. You know, let me know if anything sounds. Um, doesn't sound right here. And a lot of times they'll write back and say, yep, that's good. Or no, you know, I've changed my mind on this since we talked. And, or they don't answer. Or they don't answer. <laughs> exactly. And that's the most common happens. But at least, you know, we've got some reference point for what we discussed versus it's, you know, who remembered what three weeks later. What I find in those situations, Dave, because I, you know, coach people in that situation is they get angry about wasted time. Why do I have to do that? It's such a waste of time. Why can't I just do my work? To which I go, it's like, complaining about the weather wherever you live or it's like for me living in LA complaining about the traffic it's like I'm sorry it's yes it sucks yes it's a problem boo-hoo it's where you live that's the weather it's where you live that's the traffic what are you complaining about so there again they want people to change or it's not fair or it's not right and I go oh really I mean really you have to get over that if that's the cost of doing business, that's the cost of doing business. And you're not alone. And by the way, it's a coping strategy. If it doesn't work for you, give it up, go ahead. But I do think it's great advice. Yeah. And particularly, you know, if that three minutes of spending that time to do that saves you time and frustration down the road, then yeah, it's a good investment of time. Well, the problem is it doesn't save you time and frustration down the road because there'll be another piece of chaos. It's like playing whack-a-mole. You know, you might put out that little tiny fire, but then this one over here, I mean, it's, you know, dealing with someone who's chaotic is, they're chaotic in their lives. They're chaotic all over the place. So you're not really fixing anything. You're always in triage mode. And I understand that it is a big energy drain. I understand that it's tiring. I understand that it's not productive, but it's kind of, again, it's like moving to Shanghai and then going, wow, it's really smoggy here. It's like, really? That's news? I mean, give me a break. Yeah. So I'm sorry, and I don't mean to sound unsympathetic, but I'm just going, that's just the way it is. And that's the part where you need to manage yourself. Yeah, and that's where the expectations of how we approach situations can be really helpful. I, I remember having a meeting with someone, oh, it was probably about 10 years ago, Tom, and we were talking, somehow we got on the topic of difficult people. And she said to me, she's like, you know, sometimes in these situations when I'm dealing with someone who's just a complete jerk, either it's someone internally or a customer, is I'll walk away from that meeting and I'll just say, you know what? I'm so glad I'm not married to them. (laughs) And and I have thought about that more than one occasion in my career since then. And, you know, it seems kind of like a silly thing to think, but it really helps. 
Um, you know, well, I'm like, does. okay, you know, at least I only have to deal with this person in this one aspect of my life. Um, and I know when it's your boss that that's a big chunk of the life, so it's 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 harder. But uh, just having some of that perspective on the broader you know scope of the problem, I found is really helpful too. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, let's talk about the narcissist for a moment. So. One of the things that you say with a narcissist is be a good audience and ask how you can help them to succeed. I do. I Listen, n- narcissists crave attention. And what that means is there is not enough room in the spotlight for both of you. Here again, it's not fun. doesn't feel good. You're probably never going to get the kind of attributions and recognition that you would like. This person may be a big credit hog. You're going to put your light under a bushel and that doesn't feel good. But with narcissists, in order to succeed with them, uh, it's one of the things that you need to do is not compete with them. Mm. And one of the big uh, concerns about narcissists is when they turn on people. When you are out of favor with a narcissist, they execute you. And that's the nature of a narcissist. When you're in favor, you are the favored child. When you are out of favor, you are dead. Hmm. And so if you're really dealing with a narcissist, then be a good audience, be a great lieutenant, be a good support person, put your ego out of it. Because what you're really playing here is a long game. And it's not, I'm not saying you're going to out-survive them because a lot of times narcissists end up running companies or divisions. I mean, narcissists are hugely appealing. They're not fun to work for. So you just, again, you need to be sure that you've got a lot of support outside of work. You've got to be sure that your team is, you know, all together and they're working and firing on all cylinders and that you've got a lot of support other places because you're not going to get it from your boss. Tom, I love that. And one thing I'll add to it is I had uh, a dear friend who worked for someone who was a narcissist for a number of years, and uh, she had gotten some advice at one point from someone that, you know, once in a while, when you can do it honestly and credibly is throw the narcissist a bone, (laughs) Um, you know, when they do have a great idea or when they do mention something that you really do think is brilliant is to to say that and to and to congratulate them on that and to give them recognition and um and she found that that really was helpful that it, you know it, when she got out of the I'm just I'm just always going to be on the defensive with this person when she actually would engage with them and and truly could honestly say yeah that's a great idea I really like what you thought about that 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 really helped the relationship a lot well i, I i'll go one step further you know i'm not suggesting that anyone really kind of bury their values or become completely obsequious and brown nosing. I'm not saying that, but I do think that working with a narcissist and someone who needs a high degree of touch and recognition, I think it's important that you always approach it in a collaborative way that the word, but goes out of your vocabulary. I mean, it's all the Dale Carnegie stuff that you know and talk about all the time that you talk about and that you build on ideas that you say, yeah, you know, I, you know what I really like about that idea is this, and you know what I'd like to add to it is that, so that it always has that flavor of support. Mm. Now, the truth of the matter is it's not manipulative because you're not kind of tilting the playing field to put yourself above them. I think it's just being savvy. And again, the conversation that I get stuck in with a lot of people are, 
you know, why should I eat mind style for them? It's like, well, pardon me, but I think we all do that. And, and, and I think really savvy leaders are easy about flexing their style. So this is one of those where, again, being very agreeable, working from a place of positivity can really benefit you. We would be remiss if we let this conversation go without saying something about the screamer, Tom, because these people are in <laughs> organizations too. So and there's so much fun to talk about. Oh yes, yes. So the boss is the screamer. Uh, you 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 said in in one of the emails we sent back and forth, don't engage, wait it out. Why is that important? Well, we go back to uh, an idea I talked about a little bit earlier, which is emotions fly across the room and emotions are highly contagious. So when someone's screaming, especially when they're screaming at you and the fingers being pointed at you and, you know, and spits coming out of the mouth and they're just inflamed at you, it is hard not to have your heart rate go up. But you really need to intervene on yourself like a beta blocker and calm down and remember you're watching a movie. It's not about you. This person most likely hasn't really singled you out. It might feel like it at the moment. You need to kind of go to a super place, high place, meta place, and kind of watch it and not get engaged so that you don't either do something inappropriate or that you don't walk out of that room inflamed and, you know, kind of then take it out on your assistant. Boy, I've seen that a lot. Um, you know, so that you're not inappropriate and you suddenly don't get moved off your core values by having been, you know, kind of inflamed by that person. Tom, and it's hard. It's just really hard. It, it is. It is. And that's, you know, one of the reasons is, as we wrap up here that I, I love listening to your show. Um, for those who aren't aware of it, Tom does this great show called The Look and Sound of Leadership, as I mentioned up front. And Tom, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I don't listen to a lot of other leadership shows on a regular basis. In fact, I can't think of any that I listen to regularly except your show because I love how you put it together each month. And I'm, I wonder if you could just say a little bit about the show that you produce and, 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 and your audience and what you're trying to do with the show. The purpose is really the goal of all my coaching. It's to help people achieve the look and sound of leadership. It's to help people be perceived in the workplace the way they want to be perceived so that they can get their next best thing or whatever that is. And I really talk, I imagine that I'm talking to one of my clients, which tends to be fairly senior people in Fortune 500 companies. What I've come to find out, which I'm just thrilled about, is that people across the spectrum, listen, um, I have an administrative assistant at a community college in Texas who writes me all the time, I love the fact that she's listening and getting something out of it. That's great. And I have a guy in Nigeria who writes me, and I think he's an entrepreneur. So it's touched a lot of people, and it's one of the great joys of my life. Well, it is really a joy to listen to. And I was just looking on the iTunes listing for the Coaching for Leaders show, the show, Tom, and the when you look at the bottom, it says if people who listen to this show listen also listen to this show. Yours is the next one listed. Listed, so I know that there's 
That's I'll, nice. I know. I know. There's a lot of folks in our community who have listened to your show uh, in the past or listened to it regularly. If you haven't listened to Tom's show, I would really encourage you to check it out. It airs the first Thursday of the month. It's usually about, what is it, about 12, 13, 14 minutes or so, mm-hmm. Tom? Yep. You, you keep it really concise, which I am just so in awe of. I need to do a better job of that. And Well, but also the difference is, you know, I'm telling a story and kind of teaching a lesson. I don't do interviews. So, you know, you, you're having conversations with people. So it's quite different. It is a quite a different show. And that's why I think it, it really is a great compliment for, to this show. If you find this show helpful to you, absolutely check out Tom's show. And by the way, if you happen to be on the West Coast, uh, you mostly work on the West Coast, Tom. Am I correct on that? Mm, predominantly. If you're out here in this part of the country and you are seeking someone for a leader that would be an effective coach and an executive coach, I just I would tremendously recommend taking a look at Tom. And I'll have all the links for Tom's website on the show notes. Um, Tom and I have done a little bit of work together since he last appeared on the show. And he's just a class act. And as you can tell from today's conversation, he really knows his stuff well, and he's been doing it for a long time. And Tom, I just I love the the wisdom you give to people, but also the practical, concise nature of how you get a message across and help people to grow from that. And I think that's a real talent that you bring in all your interactions. And I'm so pleased that we've gotten connected and uh, it's just really been a lot of fun to get to know you this last year. I am honored by all the feedback and I agree. I think the connection has been a joy. So thanks. It's mutual. Tom Henschel is the host of the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and a great, uh, a great wise sage in the, in the work of working with leaders. Thanks, Tom. You bet. Speaking of concise, a little longer than I like to normally go on the show, but I just didn't want to take out anything that Tom mentioned because I know that all these situations that we talked about, there are people in the Coaching for Leaders community who are either dealing with it themselves or are working with someone or uh, even friends with someone who is dealing with this. So I hope the conversation's been valuable to you as well. I do encourage you to check out the notes for the conversation. I've got careful notes on everything that Tom and I discussed. That's at coachingforleaders.com slash 164. That's also the place to add in your comments or thoughts to our dialogue today as well. And of course, I'm always open to comments, questions, or feedback on this show or any future show. And in particular, for the Q&A show that's coming up next Monday, and the topic for that show is networking, as you've heard me mention on a few recent shows, but questions on anything are always fair game, and I do still have a few spots for questions. So get those questions in right away. Coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is the way to do that. And a big thank you this week as well to the subscribers to the weekly update. You are going to be getting all the notes for everything Tom and I mentioned on today's show in your inbox on Wednesday, as you do every Wednesday for every podcast that I air. And if you would like to get that in your inbox as well, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe and you'll get access. And the people this week who did that are D High, Brad, Revel, John Thompson, Lana Gallegos, Shemaine Gallimore, I'm sorry, Shemaine Gallimore, 
Janet Majev, Susan Salamone, Lourdes Pons, Aurea Gupton, Eric Whitmer, Ruben Hawks, Billy Torres, Judy Marr, Cody Holland, Kumam Appa, Brandon Day, Mark Lane, and Frederick Quinay. Thank you so much to all of you for hopping onto the weekly update. If you'd like to get that as well in your inbox for all the notes for each show and also an article from me each week, just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And you also get the 10 leadership books, at least the list of the 10 leadership books that I think will help you get better results from others, including the two that I rely on weekly. One of them, of course, How to Win Friends and Influence People from Dale Carnegie and part of the Carnegie Coach podcast that I'm now hosting as well. You can find that at carnegiecoach.com. And again, to subscribe to the weekly update, coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. Thanks again to Tom Henschel. Always a pleasure to talk to Tom. I hope you have a great week. And I look forward to talking with you again next Monday. Take care, everybody.